couple spots in your Bible you can kind of turn to and just put a hold on. We're going to be looking at Colossians 1 and 2, Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 10, looking at some of those chapters, and then we'll also be looking at a bunch of other scriptures, but John 13 and John 15. I want to talk to us today about something the Lord's been kind of talking to me about, and it's the, it's the call of sanctification. Y'all know what that is, sanctification? Sanctification. All right, if you're going to turn over, let's look at Colossians 1.9. I want to talk to us about sanctification, but I want to explain a few things to us. And if I'm titling this message, I would call it Inside Out, okay? Inside Out. I'll explain that. But let's look at Colossians 1, starting in verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, so saints is, another word for saints are holy ones. You know, there is, it's the picture of people who have been sanctified in light. <clears throat> so we see that in this passage that there is a, um, that, that Paul's praying that, these, that the believers would be aware of God's will. They would know it. And that they would be doing things that please him. And that they would be equipped with power and might. And so that they could grow and, and be strengthened with the, that power. For the attaining of steadfastness, patience, joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in. Okay, we're sharing in an inheritance of the saints. We all have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And uh, really the inheritance if nothing else can be summed up in this one word, Jesus. He is our inheritance. He alone is our inheritance. He's our treasure that we're seeking. And that is, we want Christ in us. And so let's look at, let's keep going. I'm going to read a little bit further in Colossians because I want to talk about Christ in us a minute. Colossians uh, 1.25, you can come down a little bit. That's all good. I encourage you to go back and read this passage. It's, whole, it's, it's just awesome. But starting again in verse 25 of chapter 1. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches and the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Excuse me. Um, Paul was at work. He was laboring, striving, because he wanted to see every man complete. That word, I'm going to talk about that word, but that word complete it means perfect in Christ. And we see that in verse 
25, it says, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. He wants to fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God, and then he goes on to define that. That is, so what, what is the Word of God that he's talking about? The fully the preaching of the Word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, but has now been manifested to his saints or holy ones to whom God willed to make known what is the riches and the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, it's Christ in you. Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Now, I want to explain this a little bit. Um, Y'all know John chapter 3. Jesus said, unless a man is born again or born from above, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven, right? There was, there was a birth, a new birth that takes place in believers. Every single one of you, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you're, you have been born again. But what does that mean? So what I'm going to tell you, what the Scripture says, is that we have been born again in our spirit. Our spirit man, when the moment you believe in Christ Jesus, it's like, how, how, does, a, how does a child get born? A little biology. I'm not asking for details, but, but there is a biology to the birth. It takes a seed and an egg. When someone, when, a, when a, a married couple, per se, or any, you know what I mean. I'm trying to get in here carefully. Um, we do have kids in the room. Uh, there has, in, in a normal, healthy situation of a marriage, there is a receiving, if you will, if y'all follow me, that the lady has, and because of the seed that is received, there is a birth that takes place and new life that begins to grow, right? Jesus used this language because he wanted us to understand what actually happens, and he was comparing it to that. Because there is a, when we open ourselves up and to receive the Word of God. Through the Spirit of God, there is a new birth that takes place in our spirit, and now we're born of God. Our spirit man's born of God. Now let's look at 1 Peter one twenty three. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. You can if you want to make a note of it. But Peter, again, talking about the same subject, says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. So the point here is that when we receive the Word of God in our heart, when we believe on Him, when we heard the message of the goodness of, the, of, of what Jesus did, and we believed in our heart, at that moment of belief, when we turn to Him, there is a spiritual transformation, a spiritual exchange that took place where the Spirit of God came inside our spirit, and we were now born again from heaven, from above, with an imperishable seed, which is the Word of God. Say that word, imperishable. It's not going away. It's not corrupted. It is pure and perfect in every way. It's the imperishable word of God. Your spirit, man, when you believe, became imperishable, perfect in every way. Your spirit, man, right now, as a born-again Christian, is as perfect as it is ever going to be. Does that cause any problem for anybody? I'm going to back this up real quick with some scriptures. But I want you to think about this. None of us are perfect, 
And yet, the scripture says that we have been made perfect in Christ Jesus. Let me look at this. Turn over uh, to Colossians 2. We're just going a little bit further. So just turn the page more than likely. In my case, I'll have to turn a couple pages because I got some uh, uh, commentary in the way. Uh, actually, where'd it go? Okay. Well, I got a problem, guys. My note says Colossians 2.28, but there isn't one. <laughs> it's Colossians 2.23. Maybe it was Colossians 1.28. Oh, yeah, sorry. Colossians 1.28. Um, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That word complete there, it's a, uh, it's a Greek it, you know, the New Testament is written in Greek. Strong's did an incredible concordance when he went through and he labeled every word in the Bible. In the Hebrew is the Old Testament. He marked every word with a number. He did the same thing with the New Testament, which was in Greek, so that you can go and then he made a dictionary trying to explain that. And you can actually do an Englishman search. And if you're really a study of the scriptures, it's, an Englishman search is an incredible tool. I have an app on my phone where I can just do this all really quick. But I can look up, a, once I find a word and what Greek number it is in the Strong's Concordance, I can plug this same number into my, my search, my Englishman's search, and it will show that same exact Greek or Hebrew, whatever you're in, New Testament, Old Testament, that same word every place it's used in the Scripture. Well, why is that helpful? Well, if you've never studied language, you know how many meanings can be attached to a word. You know, I love my wife. I love pizza. You see what I mean? That's, there, there can be communication in languages. Lang words can be used in a number of ways. So it's helpful to go through and see how these words were translated in their context throughout the Scriptures. You can get a better feel for what a word actually means when you see how it's used in other contexts in the Scripture. Well, if you do that with that word, you'll find out that that word means perfect. It's used over and over again to that. And it, uh, it's actually translated perfect in the King James. Um, but it also means complete, meaning that you've arrived. You've, you've been made complete. You've arrived. There's nowhere else to go. You're there. Think about that. Think about that. Think about you've arrived. There's nowhere else to go. We've proclaimed him Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete, having already arrived, perfect in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Amen. I mean, we are a bunch of messed up, fallen people, and yet the Bible is saying that we are complete and perfect and have already arrived. Uh, you see that again. Um, in a number of places, but that is a mind-boggling. If you start thinking about that, that is mind-boggling. Well, how is that true? It's because our spirit man 
when it was born again, was born perfect. It has the incorruptible seed. You got it? Your spirit, man, is as perfect as it's ever going to be. It's never going to get, because we are a spirit, we are a soul, and we are a body. You're a three-dimensional being. We all have a body. We all have a soul. Soul is, you, is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the, 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 the thing in us that, that causes us to think and to feel and to get swayed often, and it's, 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 it's our stinking thinking, you know? It, that's our soul. Our flesh is this stuff. I mean, the Bible says that sin dwells in the flesh, according to Romans 7. We have sin dwelling in the flesh, but when you were born again, that spirit man, it was perfect. Let's turn over to Hebrews 12. And I wish I'd marked it. All right. Hebrews 12. In verse 23, Paul's talking, basically, he's talking about the difference between the law and the spirit, and he's describing some things. But he comes down to verse, I'm going to start in verse um, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavy, heavenly Jerusalem, and to a myriad of angels, to the eternal, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Y'all hear that? He's talking about, we've come to the General Assembly, the Christ Church, the firstborn's church. And we've all been enrolled in heaven, okay? And then it says, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous, spirits of the righteous made perfect. The spirit man was made perfect of the righteous. We're righteous by faith. We know that from studying Galatians and Romans, that our righteousness is faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Our righteousness is our faith in Christ, and it's also the seed that was implanted in our spirit that made us perfect, okay? Is everybody with me? Your spirit man is perfect. It's never going to get any better. Well, we're going to talk, we'll, we'll get into that too. We'll get into that too. Remember the title. What did I say? Inside Out. Okay, God is interested in a transformation in us, but it's inside out. He starts with the, the new birth when our spirit man is, is transformed. Now, just to, to hit this home one more time, and I, I encourage you to, to do a study of all this. Um, Hebrews 10, we'll start in verse 10. By this we have been sanctified, remember that's the word we're looking for, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. 
But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies made a footstool, be made a footstool for his feet. And by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Who has he perfected? Those who are sanctified. Okay, that's going to be key in what I'm talking about. There is a sanctification process that when you're born again, that is the beginning point. Your spirit's made perfect, but sanctification is the process of having what was done in you in your spirit, man, worked out into your whole being. And that is sanctification. It's, it's the, the working of the Holy Spirit that was done in our spirit from on the day of conception in Christ, and it's working its way out, inside out. He starts with being born again. The Spirit of God comes in, and we're now not being changed from the outside. We're now being changed from the inside, and it's working its way out. Now, there is a parable that Jesus told. And it's, you can see this parable in two places. You can see it in Matthew. Um, you can see it in Luke. Uh, Matthew, let me see which verse that was. Matthew 13, 33, and Luke 13, 20, and 21. It's the same parable, but I think it gives some understanding in what I'm talking about. Jesus, it's just two verses, a very quick little parable. He said, the kingdom of God is like a baker, a woman, who took leaven and placed it into three pecks or three measures of flour until the whole dough became leaven. Why did Jesus use three? I think it's, we have the answer to that. Uh, there is no accident with the Scripture, and there's no accident with Jesus. When he speaks something, there's a message in it. When he chose three, there was a reason why it's three. I believe, and I think the Bible answers this Bible interpreting Bible, that is a picture of the spirit, the soul, the body. We're born again. The leaven was introduced. The kingdom of God was introduced in our spirit. And if you know anything about baking, which I don't know that much, but I do know that when you take some leaven and you stick it into a dough, it will begin to grow and it spreads like a cancer. <laughs> you know, it just spreads until the whole dough becomes leavened. The kingdom of God comes inside of us at conception, and there is a process in which the Lord is working on us to allow that seed that was perfect and holy come inside of us and work its way out to where the kingdom is now affected every part of the body, the dough. The spirit, the soul, and the body, where we're it just transforms us. It consumes us. That's what leaven does. It consumes the whole thing. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23. You don't have to turn there. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So there's a pro process, you know, completely, so that the work would be complete, right? He sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, 
We know from the scriptures that the spirit man was born brand new and whole, but we also know that John tells us, he says, any man claims to have no sin, he is a liar, right? But then, you know, he says that in the last verse of 1 John 1, but then in 1 John 2, he says, I write this to you, brethren, so that you may not sin. See, God doesn't want us to sin, and he's made a way for us to get free from sin, but he also knows that we're, we're in a process, a journey, and that we're going to stumble. And when we stumble, he is so good. If, 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 if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We are forgiven. Every, if we will just acknowledge it to the Lord, when I fall down and I fall down, I didn't have a great weekend, personally. I've had some failures this weekend where I could have been more like Christ, and I wasn't. But you know what? I know the Scripture. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just. When you acknowledge it to God, He not just forgives you, He actually cleanses you. Amen. He doesn't just say, okay, you're forgiven. He actually takes it out of you. And that is the process of sanctification. And, it, and sanctification is something that we have to give ourselves to. It's a work that God is doing through the Spirit. It's a journey because we're not sanctified overnight. Sanctification is a process, just like that leaven working in the dough. You, you inject leaven in the dough. It's not instantly leaven. It takes, I don't know how long, but it takes days, I think. I'm not a baker, but I know it's not an instant process. It works its way into it over time, Right? And in the same way, we're on a journey, and the sanctification is the process of Christ working in our life so that we are more like him. He wants us to look like him, to act like him, to smell like him. He, you know, he wants us to be him in every way. He wants to live, and he is living through us because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. He is in us living, and he's, he's been sealed in our spirit, and he's trying to work his way out so that the world can see him in us. Isn't that awesome? All right, so Hebrews 12, 14. I love this verse. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See, sanctification is a requirement for seeing the Lord, but let me say this in a way that takes away the effort because what that means is, is that the process of having him work in our lives, as we give ourselves for him working in our life, there is a sanctification process, and the process itself actually is the working of removing the veils off our, our minds so that we can see him better. When the Lord begins to deal with me about unforgiveness, and he begins to help me to learn to be one who is forgiven, it's because I'm seeing Jesus the forgiver. When I see Jesus the forgiver, I see in him, as we see him, we are made like him. As I'm seeing Jesus the, forgi the forgiver, and, and I, the veil's kind of going away, I'm, I'm, all of a sudden there is a process that is going on that's, that's allowing a sanctification in me. I can see him now because I'm dealing better because something's growing inside of me. Oh, I have to be a forgiver because Jesus is a forgiver. Now I'm seeing Jesus a forgiver. Oh, I can't hold on to bitterness. I can feel the Holy Spirit dealing with that in me. I can't be bitter. Jesus isn't bitter. God's not bitter. He's good. His love, he, you know. 
you begin the sanctification is the process that's removing the veil so that we can see him better and therefore it's a it's a constant thing we see him it changes us we get changed we see him more does that make sense you can read that verse and it's like my god if i'm not perfect and holy i'm not going to see god because that's the way it kind of strikes you but no he's explaining the process without the sanctification your eyes won't be opened up to see him as he is. But in the process of being sanctified, we get greater levels of revelation of who he is. We see him a little better than we did before as the sanctifying process works in us. Does that make sense? All right, let me, let's look at that a little more. I want to talk to us about how we're sanctified. I may not get through all this, and if I don't, that's okay. We'll, we'll do a part two. There is a working of the Spirit. And the first thing, let me read this, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. If you're born again, you know, that's what John was talking about when he was said, no one who is born from above sins. 1 John can be an incredibly confusing book because he says one thing, one verse, and the next verse says the very opposite of what it appears. <laughs> but he, it actually is all accurate. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's all true. And you have to have the, the, the Lord begin to reveal to you what's going on. But when you, when you have been born again of your, by God, your spirit man doesn't sin. Your spirit man does not sin. It does not. It's perfect. Can't. But you have a flesh and, and a sin in the flesh that Paul talked about in Romans 7. He said, the things I want to do, I do not do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. He said, but, it's, if, but if I'm agreeing with the law of God, then it's no longer me, but it's sin in my flesh at work. And so then he goes on to say, after finding this incredible, difficult thing that sin is dwelling in him to the point that the things he knows he shouldn't be doing and he doesn't want to do it, he does it anyway. And then the things that he wants to do to agree with God, he doesn't do. So he's got this trauma going on inside of him. He's schizophrenic. <laughs> Not really, but there is an aspect to which we all are. It's sin in the flesh. We are all, in a sense, schizophrenic because we have this perfect man inside of us called Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's working, and then we have the sin in the flesh, and we have to decide who we're going to listen to. And that's the soul. That's where the soul comes in. The soul is your decision maker, and you ha your soul has to decide if it's going to listen to the spirit or it's going to listen to the sin in the flesh. And he goes on, Paul goes on to solve the problem. He says, what well, shall I do, this wretched man that I am? And he ends it up by saying, thank God to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only Christ can set us free from the, the, the sin in the flesh. It's not a work that we can, we can do in our own strength. And that's what this verse in Thessalonians says. And I love it because this is, the, this is I guess, the first thing I want to say in entering into sanctification. In, in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, he says um, that God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by 
the Spirit. Sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of our own strength. If, you're, if you hear that word and the instant feeling is, I have to go out and work harder or be better. I have to be better to earn holiness or to be holy. You're misunderstanding. This is a work of the Spirit. The Scripture talks about that it, that um, it says, not by might, this is in Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's the same message given to the priest when he had to wear linen ephod because he couldn't wear something that made him sweat. This work of the Spirit is absolutely something done by the Spirit in us that the Lord is working in us. We are His workmanship. He is working in all of our lives through the circumstances that we're going through to cause Christ to come out of your spirit and into the rest of you. He's trying to affect us. And you know what? Pain has a tendency to get our attention better than anything else. Amen. It does. And when we feel pain, all of a sudden it's like, God, help, I'm hurting. It's got our attention. And that's what I talked about, I think, a few weeks ago when I shared, you know, that the Lord was doing the work of Hebrews 12 in our life. And I believe this year is a year of that, where endure hardship as discipline for God, for God disciplines those he loves. Now, am I saying that God's going to cause you to be sick and feel with pain just so that you can learn a lesson? No, I'm not talking about that. Jesus is a healer. He healed every single person that came to him. Not one person did he turn away. The only person in the scripture he, did, he, he said he wasn't going to heal, he healed anyway because of her persistency and faith. That was Syrophoenician woman's daughter. So Jesus wants us whole. But no matter where we find ourselves, we can give thanks because God's working, because he causes all things to what? work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even if we're experiencing sickness, know that Jesus wants to heal you. He wants you whole. But whatever you're going through, that process of getting there, you can encounter God even in the midst of pain and suffering. Does that make sense? He's the healer. He wants us healed. But we still go through things in life. And even that process of fighting for our healing is an opportunity of sanctification, growing in Christ, growing in faith, growing in persistency, growing in determination, growing into who He is. We're growing up into all things, into Him. I want to make that very clear that this is not a work of the flesh. This is a work of the Spirit. But God doesn't do this by Himself. We, don't, we can't make sanctification sanctification happen in our life. You can't make it happen. But you do have to be a willing participant with God in the process. If you're not a willing participant, you can actually keep the sanctification from going on. So you can't make it happen, but you can stop it from happening. Does that make sense? We have to, we have to give ourselves to the process. When you go through the difficulties, when you go through the fire, know that don't waste your trials. God's working something. He's, but you give yourself to the Lord in that place. You give yourself to it. 
and you thank God and you just go through it and you get closer. It just happens when you see that God is working all things. Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you doing in my life right now? What's going on and how can I respond in a way that allows the kingdom to go deeper inside my life? And then we go through it and we've learned something. I have never looked back on my troubles and haven't been thankful in the Lord for, the, for what it produced in me for the kingdom. I want it out of them as quickly as possible because pain sucks. It just hurts. Pain hurts. <laughs> but on the back side of it, and that's what Hebrew 12 says, you know, no one enjoys the discipline while you're going through it, but on the back side of it, it produces the fruit of righteousness. I'm thankful for the fruit it produces. Sanctification is the same process. I'm thankful for what it produces in us. You know, the process, let me get through this quick. It's just a few things, actually. The process of this is, you know, sanctification comes from the word, it comes from a Greek word that means to literally set apart. And it's the picture of like when you see in the, the, the Levitical law, God told Moses, all these pots and pans that the priests were going to use and all this stuff that was used in the temple services, they were all taken and they were washed thoroughly. They had to be washed thoroughly. They were sanctified. They were set aside from the normal stuff and put over here as a holy. What that means is it was set apart for a higher purpose. When we are set apart for a higher purpose, we go through the process of being removed from that which is normal every day, and we're brought over here to be set aside for only one purpose, and that was for the service of God. And in that place, they were washed and cleansed. And there's a lot I want to say about that. I'm not going to get into all of it. I'll probably do a part two on this. But the picture there is that a cleansing takes place. Now, I want to read this scripture because you can't be sanctified or cleansed without what? Washing. You have to be washed. The water. What does it talk about in Ephesians 5? Talking about the bride, it says that he having washed her with the water of the word. It talks about her being purified and him making his bride spotless. You know, and how does that happen? He does it through the washing of the water of the word. And that's the way the Spirit sanctifies us. We have got to be connected to the Word of God. I can tell you just today, feel, waking up this morning, feeling bad, feel like I blew it this weekend. I mean, it's been a tough week. And, you know, there's been a number of things relationally and all the, just where I didn't act like Jesus would have wanted me to act. And, um, and you can feel, but you can carry that with you, you know. Even though you repent and you confess it, the, the lie of the enemy still is there saying feel, you feel shame and that kind of stuff. But you know what happens when you begin to dig in the word? It begins to wash you. I had that happen this morning. I was just, I'm sitting here digging in for this message and I'm going through scripture after scripture and I literally could feel my, my, my being being washed. I was being cleansed. We have got to get in the word of God not to earn anything, but because of what it does in us. The washing of the water of the word will transform you. You will not be transformed into what God wants you to be without getting in this word and allowing it to get in you. 
It just won't happen. This is God's way. He sent forth his word and healed them. The healing that we need, not just physically, but all the way through, is through his word, and we've got to get in it. Let me give you an example of this. This is John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. We all know that passage, right? Jesus is working a process in us. He's the vine. We are the branches. We bear fruit. He prunes us. Well, when we talk about pruning, you're talking about being cut back. And that's true. But you know what that word means in the Greek? Every branch that bears fruit, he washes it. He washes it. Isn't that interesting? God washes, he washes us. Now, turn over to John 13, and let's plug that concept in to a famous passage of Scripture that we all read, and this is about when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. He, you know, he, he said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you will later. And there were so many layers on that of what God was trying to convey to us, but one of the things I love about this is Peter, <laughs> he, uh, in verse... Um, Eight, Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. I can appreciate that. This is the Son of God. He's the Lord, the King, the Teacher. And, Paul, and Peter didn't want, you know, he knew he wasn't worthy to have the Lord wash his feet. He should be washing Jesus' feet because the servant is the one that should be washing. And that was part of the message that Jesus came to serve. And we're called to serve like him. But there was something else going on. He says, never shall you wash my feet. And, um, and Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Without the sanctification of which no one will see the Lord. We have to allow the Lord to wash us. We have to allow it. We can't, we can't make ourselves change but we do have to allow the Lord to wash us. And one of the ways is through the Word, getting ourselves in the Word and allowing that Word to wash over us. And what happens is when you're going through difficulty in life, all of a sudden that Word begins to come alive in you and it begins to resurface right when it needs to because the Spirit and the Word are working in unison. Jesus said, my words, they are Spirit and they are life. The Spirit is working through the Word. And you're going through stuff, and all of a sudden, this perfect Scripture pops up in your mind that you had read earlier to answer you, to show you what's going on, to help you. It's, he's washing you. He's washing you. But if you don't get that Word in there, it won't come out. If, you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a bath, Lord. If, if, I have, if, if that's the case, just give me a bath. And I appreciate that about him. But Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. He was talking about Judas. There is a cleansing work of the Spirit that God has done in our spirit man when we were born again. You are clean, 
but yet there is a working of our flesh. Now, what are feet symbolically speak of? It's the place where our feet touch the ground. And back in those days, you had sandals on, and you're walking across the earth. The earth we know in Scripture speaks of the flesh. Adam was flesh was made out of the dust of the earth. And he, they're, they're walking on the ground, and they can be totally clean. They could have, you know, just washed themselves, put on a nice fresh tunic. They're walking around, but they're walking from one point to the next point, and they're walking down dirty roads. It ain't like it is here, and it's, the shoes weren't like we got. They were sandals, and they're walking across dirt. And by the time they would get from a journey, their feet would be covered with dirt because they were walking in the world. And it was custom to have water at the front of the house, and they would wash your feet when you came into the house to cleanse the world off of you, to cleanse the flesh off of you, to cleanse it. There's a cleansing process that, we're, that Jesus was pointing to in this picture that when we're in this life, we're going to constantly need a cleansing and that's what his word does. It cleanses us. Okay. So I got more, but I'm going to stop there. But I'll have a part two, God willing, uh, that I want to go deeper in what that means, the sanctification and how we can give ourselves to that. But for now, know that what God is doing in your life, he is working Christ from the inside out. And as we give ourselves to, the, to, the, to embracing the trouble that we're going through, endure hardship, endure it as discipline from God, for God disciplines everyone he loves. If you're going through something, that means God loves you. Ain't that good news? So endure it, because it's producing, what did, you know, Peter said, he says it's producing a weight in you, these, or was it James, uh, where it says, do, you know, talking about the trials and tribulations and how they're producing in us a weight that is far more precious than gold. And that is the absolute truth. Everything that is producing Christ in us is worth anything we have to pay to get to it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Here's a secret. You take what you get in Christ with you, and it lives on in eternity in who you are. It really does. There is a, I don't understand that totally, but I know it's true. There, what we allow the Lord to work in us it will be seen forever and ever and ever in eternity. And that has far more weight than any temporal gold or money or silver. And that's what he was saying. The work that is in, that's being done in us is far greater than anything that we could ever have. So thank you, Father, for the, so, so when, you're, when your car breaks down, thank God. I love you, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but this is an opportunity for Jesus to come out into me. Oh, man, my, my child just went to the hospital. I just lived through that. I was praising God the whole time. Not for the sickness, but give thanks in all things. If for nothing else, I'm going to get out of this that while I'm going through this and I'm watching my precious one suffer, I'm going to take the worst pain that I'm feeling by watching her suffer, and I'm going to praise him, and that will continue forever. I will be able to please the Lord in a moment of difficulty by not turning that into an accusation at God, but turning it ever instead into an opportunity to worship him in the midst of my enemies. 
Because he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. And I began to feast on his goodness. And Lord, I, I don't understand everything, but I love you and I praise you. And I'm not going to waste this opportunity to worship you the way you deserve to be worshiped. I love you, Lord. I don't understand, but I love you and I praise you and I worship you. And I thank you for your goodness to me, Lord. And then I come through that and that pleased God. Does that make sense? <laughs>